life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. 24 hours of Le Mans is this weekend. I'm actually yes, really is. excited. Kind yes, of more excited than the normal Formula One races on the calendar, because this is the big race of the year. It's it's the race that you and I actually really are genuinely interested yeah. in, except it also happens on Father's Day weekend, and I realize that Father's <laughs> Day Sunday, happy uh, Father's Day to all you fathers that may be listening this weekend. Uh, Father's Day Sunday, for some reason, my wife said, what all do you want to do? And a week ago, I was like, I don't know, nothing. And now I've planned like the day from 8 a.m. to when we go to bed. I'm like, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. So it's we'll packed. see what happens. But a drive is in there. You better Just believe it. Drive yes. to burn gas for yep. no other reason than to just yep. enjoy, which I love. Yeah, for sure. Definitely want to do that. So that's in there. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm sure it'll be on uh, periodically. Well, it's going to be on for 24 hours straight. You'll, you'll be able to find it. It'll be on for an entire so. day. Actually, our friend Billy Johnson, yeah. he and his team just pulled off, at least in the in the testing, they had the fastest GT lap. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. The Fantastic. G- the GTs, I think they ranked like 4th, 8th, and 13th or something like this. Okay. And the 4th uh, fastest time and the fastest GT time was Car 66, which Good Billy's in. Good for them. So they're, they're still operating really, really tight since Spa, so I'm excited to see how things go for them. I hope it goes really, really well. Awesome. Me too. Well, good news, everybody. There has been a piece of information that has come down the pike because, you know, I've been worried about Uh the new Tycon. There's many things to be worried about, mostly the name. But yeah, no longer am I worried about the name because Porsche has indeed given me the tools to defend this. I'm relieved. Everything is back to normal. We are fine. And that is because the Tycon name, which is a Eurasian name, according to the Porsche CEO, Uh is it means a a spirited horse Uh that happens to be located in the center of the Porsche logo and has been there since 1952. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All is... the world is back to normal. I am no longer worried. These are the tools because they've yeah. actually touched on the logo that is inherent mm-hmm. in the design, the soul of the car. I really want one after watching, of course, the uh, the promo reels all over the internet. Yeah, the, welcome to the Porsche marketing department doing yeah. a good job. Hi. Yeah. I like Porsches. Yeah, we've heard. We've anyway, heard. so good news. I still think it's a terrible name. We're, I'm just relieved because I was worried, but no longer. Porsche has stepped up. I didn't even know it. But it's staring oh, me in man. the face. They're not the only ones with a prancing horse on their logo. This is it's true. It's not yes. just Ferrari. Yes, it's true. So check out that hey, logo. At least, at least Porsche is picking yeah. names. That is the one thing I have to give them credit yeah. on. They are picking yeah, yeah. names. They're not doing a string of numbers, and I do appreciate that. I never liked Cayenne much. Cayman, I didn't have a problem with. Cayman, Boxster, I didn't have a problem with those. Panamera, I'm even okay with. Well, Panamericana but, Race. I'm yeah, exactly. But, but Cayenne was always like, it's a spice. But anyway, so there's that. <laughs> My wife actually nicknamed her car Pepper for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, and then Plus it's, it's black. Tycon is another one where I'm just like, really, guys, we're reaching now. But okay, whatever. I whatever. feel relieved. I'm going to sleep well tonight. It's going to be excellent. Well, so brother. good news, world. Yay. Well, there was also a question from Hal B. on uh, the Tesla layoffs. And uh, he has been talking about the news from this week that Elon is dismissing more than 3,000 employees, 9% of the company's workforce. And he's saying, you know, this underscores what many on Wall Street have been saying for months, that Tesla is now in this pivotal moment after misjudging how quickly the carmaker will be able to mass produce an electric car, the Model 3, most notably. And now Elon's pumping the brakes. And a thought struck me about the employees being laid off. Okay. Whatever divisions, whatever, sure. wherever they are around the world, mm-hmm. they have worked for a company. You think 
purchasers and and buyers and enthusiasts of the brand drink the Kool-Aid, what about the employees who have been taught mm. to, this is the future, this is the only car that matters? We're changing the world, yeah. Do you think they're actually going to choose another car maker to go work for now that they've mm. worked for, quote-unquote, the best? Interesting. Or I don't know. the most futuristic, we've got it all sorted, we're in the lead. Do you really think they're going to go to Neo, Faraday, Lucid, Karma. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Name well, another electric car manufacturer besides the Porsches and GMs and all those of the world. Are they going to say, well, I work for Tesla, so I work for the best? It's like working for Apple. Yeah. yeah. They say, well, you'll, you'll take a l- little bit lower salary because you're working for the most innovative company. But I, but I wonder, now, that can be though, debated. Yeah, but I think, I think in those employees that are leaving, I think it will really depend on what was their experience with the company because you can also find those places where employees there are being worked into the ground and actually don't like the company much anymore. And you know, they, they don't leave happy. So there, because there are pe- plenty of people that have left Tesla, and they clearly left Tesla because they weren't happy there. Uh, but honestly, to Hal's question, I don't know that this layoff really tells us anything. Uh, to be honest, I think the bigger reality is going to be what happens in the next year, and I do mean calendar year, as they try to really get all these Model Threes out the door. I've read. Uh, and look, it's a lot of hearsay and it gets a lot of news coverage, but I've read everything between uh, 25 and 40% of people are not taking their Model 3s. Yeah, I've been noting know, that too. But, but Tesla's not saying what the number is. There, there's, there's people just speculating that number. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the Model 3 and eventually the Chevy Bolt in the next year will both, there'll be enough cars made that they will both no longer have that $7,500 tax credit. Right, right. That will affect the market. So I think, and then things like the Porsche Taycan and, and a bunch of other things. Those, <laughs> so those all Those all come out. And, and so in the next 12 months, the whole landscape for the world that Tesla is playing in is going to change a lot. And I don't, I think. Uh, Certainly, I agree. I don't Definitely. feel like these layoffs tell us anything definitive. I think the next year is the interesting part because after he did the layoffs, the stock gained a bunch, and a bunch of people that were Tesla fans were talking about how thrilled they were that all the short uh, stock people lost money. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, it, and welcome to Wall point, Street. It just makes me tired. I, I, I just, I, I want, I want. <laughs> I don't want coverage or on speculation about is he it won't he. I just I want to see if it's going to really survive by cars on the street and the company being solvent. I agree. Well, we've got the Model Three as part of the Chevy Bolt comparison. Mm-hmm. The first episode on July seventh, so that is July seventh, twenty eighteen, in the U.S. on Velocity Channel, and I'm I'm really excited. This will be the first one just because it's, it's a, right up in the mix of, yeah. you know, kind of newsworthy, even though we drive it, whether it was or wasn't true, true, true. But I'm excited that we got seat time in that car. And well, I'm excited. We were able to put lines. those two side by side yeah. and actually yeah. talk about them back to back. I mean, that, that is something that I've wanted to do since both those cars were announced. And, you know, as much as Tesla is about to hit, and as I understand it, it was 200,000 electric vehicles sold. And at that point, the $7,500 credit starts diminishing over the right. next couple of quarters. Right. So Tesla is pretty much there because it counts for all of the cars they've ever sold. So they're pretty much there now. Mm-hmm. But Chevy, mm-hmm. if you count the EV1 and all of and, and things, I think the, the Volt counted. So did as it? a result, okay. yes, it did. So okay. as a result, you're getting there. And so I think... Uh, Tesla is pretty much, well, we've arrived, even though they would say otherwise. And uh, Chevy is there within the next, like, six months. So both yeah. of those cars will be affected long before any other manufacturer. It'll be interesting to see how much that affects just buying of, let's be honest, 2% of the market right now, which is electric cars. Yeah, no kidding. Well, 
Remains to be seen. I th- I think you're right. I mean, tech companies lay off people. Companies worldwide lay off people all the yeah. time for various yeah. reasons, and it's not always for lack of income. Uh, it could be growth in a different direction. <laughs> Tesla has in lack of case. income for other reasons. It has nothing <laughs> right. to do with the extra employees on the roster. Thanks for the money. We'll put on the cash fire out back. Yeah, exactly. I'm warm. warm. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be a different direction. But in their case, it's let's get the Model 3 out the door. Yeah. And they are. Yeah, you do see sure. them around sure. now. Yep. They're not yep. uncommon, I would say. They're not unicorns, but they're still not yeah. everywhere. And, and uh, yeah, still glad to have sat in that car, driven that car, mm-hmm. and experienced mm-hmm. it as the news trickles out. It's very interesting. Well, and along those lines actually leads us directly to our first of two car debates. Olin actually has a Model 3. He actually put the money down on a Model 3. Yeah. So we can talk about that here. He's writing to us from Seattle. Hey, Olin, thanks for writing in. And he has, uh, well, he has a, a car debate with chapters. It, it goes on for a while, Olin. Uh, I mean, it's very it's a informative. Table of contents too, but it, it practically has chapters. Um, yeah. So he has put in. I want to make sure I find this right, so I'm telling you correctly. He just got his invitation. Now let me clarify: for all of the people that stood in line mm-hmm. for a Tesla Model Three, you put down a thousand dollars and you got essentially your ticket in line. Imagine the old deli counter. You got your ticket. <laughs> You're waiting for your number to be called. They should have done it like that. Seriously. The ticket in the shape of the old. Seriously. That would have been cool. So you have your ticket, but you haven't actually ordered yet. So then you have to get your invitation, which is a nice little email that says, your number is is now up next. How would you like to configure your Model 3? Now, the Model 3 we drove for the show, the the guy that actually put his uh, reservation down on that, he was... Pretty much the guy, like ten people back from the beginning of the line here. And this was Lake. good two years ago. He was he was early, early yeah. in that list of four hundred thousand. That was two. It was two years from him putting his thousand dollars down to him getting his invitation. He has right. his car now. So Olin has just gotten his invitation, and he's going, huh? I'm going to put it on hold for now. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't actually realize you could kick the can down the road, but he's put it on hold. He hasn't dropped it, but he's put it on hold. I think that probably will come to an end. I mean, it's probably a time period. Yeah, I would imagine so. So he has kind of paused the, I'm not sure if I'm going to order yet or not. Uh, He said he's actually concerned that the vehicle may be too big. He currently drives a Mini that he loves. He's had it forever. He's had it since it was new. 2006 Mini Cooper S, that sounds familiar. Uh, so he's he's loved that car, but he's realizing, okay, it's time for the Mini to go. I thought the Model 3 was going to be it, but now that he's kind of seen him, he's going, is that car too big? And interestingly, is it going to be boring? Mm, yeah. I mean, the guy that whose car we drove, the Model 3 whose yeah, car we drove, yeah, yeah. is a Porsche freak yes, and a you, track driver himself. You and he had to kind of be separated all day during the shoot because it just became this little Porsche pool of, of, well, of conversation. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we did. But, you know, he was claiming his 996-911 Turbo feels slow, which, okay, maybe at initial launch, but I, I'm i still going to debate that. That's for another time, or maybe not, but, you know, he, he was just infatuated with his car completely completely yeah and kind of going away from the porsche thing as far as you know what it's just so much better da 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 tech all that kind of stuff which kind of is in line with with um olin here and what he's looking for and backing up he's a car guy here he says he's been thinking about and sketching and talking about cars since he can remember which Mm -hmm. i can very much relate to yeah seriously and he says he's more into the design and experience of cars the style and the driving rather than a horsepower craving gearhead Mm -hmm. So that also resonates. I, I definitely understand that line sure. of thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's kind yeah, of yeah. where my car design career started is that kind of thinking. He's a professional UI UX designer, studied industrial design with some classes in vehicle design, 
and thought he was going to be a car designer, but didn't go that direction. Yeah. But the only two cars he's had in his life are a 1990 Cavalier Coupe, Chevy Cavalier, <laughs> and this 2006 yeah. Mini Cooper S that you mentioned. Yeah. And so thinking about where he came from, and I can definitely mm-hmm. relate and understand, he's got criteria for us along with a budget for the next car. After putting the Tesla Model 3 on hold, he's saying, okay, this next car has got to be fun, mm-hmm. which we definitely understand. It's got to be special, you know, either through styling or a combination of some style and just kind of being unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I get. Minis are definitely in that category. Mm-hmm. It's also got to be small. And the reason it's got to be small is because of the house and the driveway and the garage where he parks it. It's all very little, yes. And he likes he likes that smaller feel anyway. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been driving that yeah. Mini for a long time, and he's just – when you step into most everything else, it starts to feel bigger than a Mini. And that's he's noticing that. Yeah, his wife's got a three-row SUV. He says this is the family and cargo hauler. Mm-hmm. So the car doesn't need to be super practical, what he gets. But mm-hmm. it definitely sounds like he's ready for the Mini to go away. He bought it new in Chicago 12 years ago. Yeah. Ready to move on. Maybe if it does have a back seat, you can probably guess where this is going. And he says this does drop the Cayman Miata and several other great two-seaters off the list. But we might touch on a few of those. And the budget <laughs> for this... Forty to fifty thousand dollars, depending on the long-term value and how special the car is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. And what he did was relate the Model Three, the kind of the final tally after the rebate, even though that is a tax credit, not really a rebate. Yeah. But kind of relating that after all said and done to the price of what he could get, whatever yeah. this new car, new to him. So roughly low to mid forty grand is what he thinks right, he actually 40, ends up with. Forty-two yeah. somewhere yeah. there. I mean, so. I mean, I'll be honest on you. A couple of things, Olin, having driven that Model Three, and I don't want to wreck the episode we have coming. But most of the way that most of them seem to have been set up so far, they're cars that are close to sixty grand. So Which that is means incredible. you're not going to wind up with a forty-something thousand-dollar car even after the tax incentive. You're going to wind up with a car that's the better part of fifty, mm-hmm. maybe more than fifty. Yeah. If yeah. you and you even talked about, you know, could, would you be more interested in the high-performance version of the Model Three? That's going to be above. 60. Yeah. So even if you got that tax incentive, let's just say you got it, I think the reality of what goes out the door to get you a Model 3 is over 50 grand. Now, I still still stayed 45 and below, but I think that's the reality of that car. But but your questions about the Model 3, I want to speak to real quickly. I want to speak to the owner that we had of the Model 3 we drove recently. Okay. Here's the thing about electric cars that I think, if you haven't experienced one, is really surprising. It is that constant torque. I mean, that's what you feel all the time. You just, it's, and it's hard to get used to. I and guess. it isn't something any of us are used to if you've driven a, a car all your life and you haven't driven an electric car. And I mean any electric car. Yeah. I'm talking Nissan Leaf, the Bolt, the Model 3, sure. the i3, you name it. An electric car has such instant torque and constant torque. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing about yeah. it. Yeah. It comes on at full blast and it stays at full blast. I think anybody driving any electric car for the first time is going to to enjoy themselves more than they expect. Take the brand off the hood. Just by virtue of, the, of being this experience. different and sure. new and quiet and fast. And I didn't realize it was to do this. These I are the conversations. Tires and these are the conversations I've had with everybody yeah. I've ever sat with who's been an electric car for the first time. Yeah. So I don't think that is unique to Tesla at all. However, I do think that electric cars don't have the involvement that you have enjoyed from your Mini and you're looking for now. This is not a strike at the Model 3. It's a strike at the difference in the visceral sense of these two realities. 
Sure, I, I definitely understand that. And I, Olin, I think you're taking that into consideration. And so uh, after considering your budget and looking at your list that you've given us here, like I said, you could probably see the 911 is on the list. And you've suggested the yeah, 997.1 yeah. and point two, mm-hmm. either an early Targa 4S or just a straight-up 911 Carrera. Yeah. I love that the Avora is on here, either yeah. the, the Avora or the Avora S. Yep. And those both those cars have back seats. They're both technically two plus twos, yes. Yeah. TT is on the list, or an Audi TTS. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Tesla Model 3 is on the list. You've talked about a BMW M240i. Yeah. Even though 235i's are brilliant. Even cheaper, You don't yeah. even yeah, have yeah. to go 240 mm-hmm. to yep. really enjoy it. You said an older TTRS, okay, Golf mm-hmm. R. The BMW 1M made his list, too. It should have been on there, yeah, for sure. And the Mini E, yep. the electric Mini, yep. which is... Can you even buy those, though? Not they out only, at this Weren't point. they only leased... Uh, I'd have to... I feel like Mini didn't actually sell them. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like one of those cars that they only leased, and they leased for an exorbitant amount so they could get the carbon offset, but maybe I'm wrong right, on that. I mean, yeah. quite possibly, but not not a mainstream car, that's for sure. But the other thing I thought was interesting is he said that he doesn't want what he describes as a cheap, fun car. So he's removing the WRX and the 86 platform from this list because, of course, you know, I would have gone there because, you know, it is small. It is lightweight. I mean, it's the same essential weight almost as your Mini Cooper. Mm -hmm. And it does have back seats and it is a sports car and all of these things. But you've taken it out because you don't want something that feels like a cheap, fun car. Mm -hmm. So that brings us – I mean, look at the list in in relation to that. The Evora, the 911, the Audis, these kind of things, they all have nice interiors as well. So that is certainly a factor Good point. Good point. Well, Olin even sent us an addendum yeah. a few days later yeah, after he initially emailed us. And he said, this can't just be a collector's car. Again, because of the garage, it'll stay on the street at home on weeknights. Mm. And he'll be driving on Seattle roads. And because they mainly drive the family car, this car will end up being a low-mileage car. Yeah, yeah. So I'm taking that into consideration as well. Okay, okay. And I went kind of all over the place. I went in a lot of different directions, but I actually... I found your car, Olin. The Did car you? I think you should buy. Not one like it. I found the car. Oh, wow. Okay, good. It, the. Good. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Okay, love it. so the 911, I'm all for the 911s, as you know. The BMW 1M is a great choice as well. It is, yeah. Alfa Romeo 4C could be on the list mm, because it true. is tiny. That's true. Yes. Yes, yes. And, he's, and I, I should add one more thing. He has talked about the fact that he doesn't even know if he's going to sell the Mini. He's thinking about making the Mini, which he thinks is only worth, like I bought mine, about five grand. Right. Should he just make that a dedicated track car? Sounds like whatever car he's getting into isn't going to be tracked. So you bring up the 4C, and you're right in the sweet spot with that car. Right, because I, you've probably heard me say this. I don't love it on the track. That's but not where it shines. Anything else? Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. Now... I started thinking about JDM cars. Sure, sure. And okay. for the uniqueness right. and for the low mileage thing that he's talking about mm, and something very okay. small, Okay. I thought about and did a little research on a Skyline GTR R34, just poked around. Ooh. doesn't have to be an R34 to meet the budget. I mean, they're honestly, they're still pretty expensive and the, kind of out of the budget. They're 60 some the, the 34s thousand. are available now? I thought we were only up to 33s. Did I miss a meeting? Uh, 32s? Well, 32, sorry, did I say R34? R32 is what I meant. Okay, all right, all right. I, I misspoke. But yes, I, I'm thinking about these cars and thought, mm-hmm. okay, you could go to the trouble, have yeah. something very unique, low yeah. mileage, yeah, yeah. tiny. I even thought of, hey, what about a nice Mazda RX-7? And the reason I'm thinking this way is because okay. you know all those older, brilliant cars that are hard to find unmolested, but are still kind of expensive, 
who buys those cars? Like a $30,000 Mazda RX-7 that has yeah, yeah. 25,000 miles on it, and yeah. it's completely perfect and stock and clean. Mm. Who buys these cars? Mm, interesting. Okay. Maybe it's Olin. <laughs> but, there you go. Olin, checkbook. Here we go. But I did arrive at your car, Olin. Okay. And in my search, I found a 2013 BMW 135i. Mm, okay. It does have the dual clutch. But you did All say right. that was okay. It doesn't have yeah, to be the yeah, manual. Yeah. It did. You did say that uh, a good dual clutch would do, and that is. It's $30,000. Okay. But it only has 7,500 miles on it. Hmm. It has dine-in parts. It has an axle-back exhaust and a stage one ECU flash that puts out 355 horsepower and 401 pound-feet of torque. Wow. BBS wheels. The seller is motivated. I currently have the listing. If you want it, Olin, please let me know. Interesting. Not one like it, but one that is going to disappear when it's parked on the street. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. going to be just car. People aren't going to suspect it. I see that. Yeah. It's tiny. It's small enough to fit in your driveway and garage and all that kind of stuff. It meets that requirements. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant fun to drive. And it's, again, in that thinking of a little bit older, even though I don't consider 2013 to be super old, but yeah. you know, yeah, a little yeah. bit older, low miles pristine, mm. brilliant cars that are kind of forgotten because they're still, quote-unquote, too expensive. Interesting. Okay. And you'd think, going. well, if I'm going to buy a low mileage, why wouldn't I just go get an 80,000 mile for 15? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't I just do that? Mm-hmm. Well, who buys these cars? And like I said, maybe maybe he is in that arena of okay. All right. going All right. back a little bit but finding the most pristine example, like like you would an Acura NSX. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. The most pristine example of a early NSX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than a high mileage later, and you know, something sure, sure, like that. Yeah. That's where my head's at. Okay. So I'm I'm leaving that. I'm laying that at your feet, Olin. See what you think like about it. that. Like I think it. it's gray, so it's not you know it doesn't pop. True. But again, because of the street parking thing, and because Seattle roads, it's going to get rained on. Not that 911s are going to melt, but you know what I mean. <laughs> sure. It's going to kind of disappear okay. and just be this stealth thing that only you will enjoy. It's for you, not for other people to enjoy. I see where you're going. Okay. So that's my headspace. I went a little more flashy than that. Did but you? I do like that. Uh, I, again, I shopped about 45 grand or less. Okay. And uh, in, in, in my estimation here, yeah, why not keep the Mini? You like it. You've had it since it was new. Why not? If, if you're thinking about making it a track car, why not do that? I still look at yours. I think it's really cool looking. The it's size, just, the proportions. Yeah, it's just I mean, cool. why not just keep it and track it? If you're considering that, I feel like why not do that? Because now it becomes, it becomes. I hate to say it this way, but it becomes a disposable car. You take it to the track and you have a good day or you don't. It's a $5,000 Mini and you already have it. You know, it runs. So I think that probably stays. I like your 911 idea. I think that's excellent. I think that's kind of obvious here. You know, you talk about 911 as the school bus. I mean, it works, you know. <laughs> you asked about yeah. the Evora. Should you fear the reliability? I would say no. In general, I mean, those cars, I, I would avoid first years of the 2010, I believe. I would avoid first year in yeah, general. Yeah, you've told me there's not some good news about uh, the transmission or the clutch, was it, that you have to? Oh, yes. I think it's the first year or the second. First or First or first two years, maybe. I think the clutch is somewhere, depending upon who does it, it's between a six and $10,000 job. Oofta. Which hurts. Um, yeah. But you don't really want the early autos either. I mean, the later autos got a little better, but the early autos, you don't want that. So anyway, but I, I think the Avori should look at seriously because in general, look, there's a lot of Toyota parts under there. The Elise is the same way in that they generally just run. Mm-hmm. And if something goes wrong, it's something oddball. It's not like the car won't start. It's just like, 
like I had. Why did the alarm go insane? It's those kind of things. It's not anything to do with the car running and driving well. It's some sort of little weird electrical. It's a British car. There you go. So I, I think the Avora, you should at least drive it. I think it's an interesting uh, possibility here and, and definitely should be cross-shopped with the 911. Uh, but I have a car I think you really should get. Okay. And then I have a wild card as well. Good. Because it does fit in the price point. But honestly, you know what you can get for 45 now? They're at 45. You can just go out and buy one. The M2. M2s for 45 grand? You can find M2s for 45 grand. I went looking. I thought you so. Did. I went looking and I found them. The thing about the M2, I saw one this week. I've been actually. sitting on my deck. Does that count? Yeah, exactly. Well done. Uh, but I saw one this week in black, and I see them every now and then on the commute. And I was in my Lotus, and I thought how ironic it would be for the guy in the Lotus to give an M- M2 driver the thumbs up because he'd be like, what are, you, what are you noticing my car for? But that's the thing about the M2, though. Yeah. I think the M2 is one of those enthusiast-only notice-it cars. I agree. I like I think, the stealthness of I think of even more so, I think the 1M at least looks – if you don't know what a 1M is, I think it at least looks kind of burly and aggressive enough that people go, what is that exactly if they don't know cars? Right. Whereas the M2 is just another BMW. Yeah, yeah, but yet dynamically, watch our watch our pieces on it. Dynamically, it feels like the grown up, more everything version of the eighty six platform. There's some preciousness to the one M though that the M two I don't Agreed. think has. Agreed. I would much feel much you know? more comfortable parking an M two on the curb yeah. than a one M on the curb. Because the 1M is going to hang on to its value or maybe even go up. The M2 is not. You can get it for 45 right now, not very many miles. They're out there used. Buy an really? M2 huh? to the rest of the world. Are they it's, now? Yeah, exactly. To the rest of the world, <laughs> huh. you just bought a BMW. But you have an M2, and I think you're going to really enjoy that. That is my favorite car for you, Owen. So that's that. And then I had thought, you know what? We're talking about everything I've looked at here is 2 plus 2s. We're talking about nice 2 plus 2s. It's not going to get very many miles. You want to enjoy it. You want it to feel kind of small. <clears throat> you can get an Aston Martin Vantage. What? Why not? What? If, if it was his daily put a lot of miles on it car, I'd be worried about it. What? But since it's not going to get very many miles, under 45 grand, you can buy yourself an Aston Martin V8. A Vantage? Yeah, why not? My mind's a little blown. Because you can. And, and since it's not, if it was a primary car or a regular driving car, I'd be more worried about you. But it's a special car. Now, that is obviously going to draw attention to itself at the curb. But so yeah. will the Evora. And to some degree, so will the 911. That's I why I'm, yeah. it's in wildcard territory for me. But I just thought since it's a low-mile car, th- now that car, all 45 of these, grand? Vantage? 45 well, grand? Of course you can. Absolutely. What? Well, now, all of these are going to feel bigger than your Mini. The M2. All of them are. All of them are. But the Vantage, actually, if you, if you see a Vantage in person, it's smaller than you think. They're about Porsche 997 in size. Yeah, they actually Because are. of the long hood, they seem like they're bigger cars. You see them in photos. You stand beside one, and you're like, this is not a big car. Well, that was Aston's cross-shopping target of course for that it car. Was. was the Absolutely 997 was. model year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Model. Yeah, yeah. Now, with the Vantage, I've lost your back seats. Yeah, but you've but, gained the noise. But, you, but you've gained advantage. But I will tell you, I will tell you a secret about the Aston <laughs> advantage, Martin Vantage. That, there you go. Advantage. I'll tell you a secret that, that nobody seems to talk about about the Vantage that I don't understand. The DB9 was supposed to be their 2 plus 2. Yeah, that's a huge car. It's a big car. But yet somehow there's less room in the front two seats in the Vantage than there is uh, – pardon me, in the DB9 than there is in the Vantage. The Vantage is more spacious for two people. I remember you saying that because they had to package more stuff. They couldn't go – 
every time size, I, every but. time I got in the Vantage, I was I found a place that was unbelievably comfortable. Every time I got in the DB DB nine, I was like, "What's going on here?" But anyway, I've lost two seats. I've, I've bought you an Aston Martin. It's it's I'm fully into wild card. I know, <laughs> I know, but I wanted to put it out there. I think M two is the answer. I really do. I love it. You should tell Olin about your door handle on your Mini. <clears throat> it just well. I mean, the, the inner door handle. The, well, the, I mean, the car's got almost 190,000 miles. In fact, this week I will cross 190,000 really? miles. And the cable on the inner door handle decided to become detached. So i got to fix that. <laughs> it's got to be an easy fix. It's not a big deal. Take the door panel off, fix it, blah. We are still planning to, to raffle this car. The door will be fixed when we raffle it, just so you know. Yes. Uh, but, yes. And it'll, it runs great. But, uh, but the thing about it is, because I'm so used to just, like we do, reach for a door handle, open the door. And right now, that doesn't work. So I have to roll down the driver's window, reach out, and open the door from the outside, which is a funny little comedy skit I'm doing. But but I keep forgetting this because I'm so used to just opening the door. I keep forgetting this. So I'll turn the car off and reach for the door handle and go, oh, <laughs> this again. Hey. Because it just it just stopped working this past weekend. We were on a shoot. It stopped working. Yeah. Inexplicably. And, yeah, it's it's just it's the ca- cables become detached. I mean, it it deserves a few little things like this. The, the car has sure. had a big life, which is cool. It's got character, but I but it's going to be a be- an easy fix, which is nice. But uh, but it was just funny because I haven't driven it all week. I've been in the Lotus, so I got in it night and, and proceeded to lock myself in my own car. So anyway, <laughs> I will fix that. There we go. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you, Olin. Thank you so much for writing to us. Really appreciate it. And if you got your own debate. Everyday Driver TV at gmail.com or the website, everydaydriver.com. Send us a, your own debate, write your story, and uh, preferably not chapters here. But, Ideally not. Yeah. You know, a little punctuation grammar goes a long way. We try to read them all, but sometimes we are getting novels, and that's difficult. <laughs> I want them on audiobook. Can you send me your car debate on audiobook? <laughs> Can you imagine? Wait, isn't that what we're doing? For the next three days while I'm commuting, we're listening to audio. Sorry, onward. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will take a short break, and we'll be back. All right, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you. But please, stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company's been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, you guessed it, is GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does that actually mean? You know, the same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees, accessories, everything, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your True Price is a great price? Well, because TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers already know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features aren't available in all states. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a brush hero. 
This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free. Chris S. is out in St. Louis, Missouri, who is a track day newbie, and he's bored with his Jeep. Yep, yep. And he's uh, writing to us because he's discovered German cars and pretty much said, I'm kicking myself because I should have bought a German car sooner in my life. He's loving them. There is, a, there is definitely a, a driving style and a driving feel to German cars across the board. Some are still better than others, but it is interesting how if you haven't ever had one and you finally get one, you go, oh, that's what this is about, which is interesting, <laughs> yeah. All right, so he's late 40s. He's a single dad of a driving teen. Mm -hmm. He loves to cycle and golf and hike, and now he loves track days. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. discovered them. He's got a 2008 Honda Accord Coupe that he bought new, and now his daughter drives. Perfect. He's got a 2013 Jeep Wrangler, the four-door, which mm -hmm. is paid off, mm -hmm. and then this new 2018 Audi S5 Coupe. Yep. Brilliant choice. Yep. Beautiful car. But he did admit that uh, he kind of... He almost bought the Audi all of a sudden. I mean, he he had he had the Jeep, and as soon <laughs> as the Jeep like was paid off, it's not like gum in the checkout aisle at the grocery store. It's not, but but for whatever reason, it struck him that once the Jeep was paid off, he he went and bought the S five, and he 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 drove one. And he was like, oh, I gotta have this, and and then he realized I didn't really cross shop this car. Hmm, yeah. I just I liked the Audi. I drove the Audi. I still like the Audi. I bought the Audi, but he's excited about it, and it's his, his new uh, German car obsession, which you can relate to, Paul. Uh, but you you have discovered track days. You're saying you only plan on one or two a month. Now I don't think the word only belongs in that sentence. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like a couple Fair. of track days a month is a good amount of track days. Yeah, I agree. And so, but what you're doing is you're you're dailying this S5 as much as you can, and the, and the Wrangler, which is paid off, is still around for the hiking and the biking and that kind of stuff. But you're you're starting to think, okay, should I not be tracking this S5? Should I should I do something mm. else here? Which is the crux of this? Should I should I sell the Jeep? And should I or should I get a new S five? Should I get a different S five? What what should I do? Should I buy a dedicated track car? These are all the questions. And and actually, the crux of it is kind of should I sell the Jeep and buy a dedicated track car, and not beat on my S five? I've got a lot of variants for this though. Good, I'm glad because he does say he's bored with the Jeep. Like I said before, he never drives it unless it's snowing or bad weather, or he needs to haul the bikes or take people around. And he said it's worth currently about twenty one or twenty two thousand. Okay, so that's interesting. And like you said, he's open to trading this in, but doesn't want to add too much out-of-pocket beyond mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. All right, so again, primary track day car or do the Audi thing at the track. And then he says, if I just kind of change directions, how about a utility vehicle like a Range Rover, a Volvo estate car, wagon, something like that. Sure, yeah. More utility vehicle, something like that. He also says he doesn't have to have something, which is a strange sentence to me. Yeah, that, that, that I, part, I didn't see that sentence. Doesn't that, commute. That, I, that sentence didn't process in my brain. And then something else that doesn't process, he said it might be worth waiting to see if the track bug subsides. That I, doesn't happen. What? That doesn't happen. I, I don't get it. Anyway, 
Uh, Chris, thank you so much for writing. And yes, the debate around here is really about the track car, I think. That's the the Mm -hmm. crux of the issue. And Mm -hmm. again, we are very much Canyon drivers and enthusiast drivers. If you've listened to the podcast, you might have thought we're constantly track day drivers. We're not. I mean, honestly, isn't. We love track days. We do. It sharpens your skills and teaches you so much about yourself and your driving it's astounding, mm-hmm. and we highly recommend it. But we're not just track rats. Well, I mean, if you and, if you and I honestly, because of the show and because of just life and finances and that kind of stuff, if we get ten track days a year, that's a massive year. That's it's normally huge. like five yeah. or six yeah. in a calendar year, and we love all of them. Yep. But I mean, that's the truth of it. Is a lot of times like this weekend, we're going to go on a fun drive. We're not going to the track. We're just right. going to go on one of these fun, amazing roads. Because because I know this sounds this sounds ridiculous. This is not actually a complaint. It's an observation. A lot of the best roads around here, we generally only drive them to shoot them. I'm excited yeah. to drive them to just drive them. <laughs> right. You know? So, I mean, they're, right. they're amazing. And, and all those kind of – and that, I love taking the long way in the Lotus just for that purpose. I, I did this morning. I just took the long way because why wouldn't I? You know. So that is the thing. We want you to enjoy the car you're driving, as the show suggests, every day and drive it for fun all the time. But there is a whole world that opens on what cars can do and how you can learn to be a better driver by going to the track. And that's why it always comes up. I'm thrilled you found this, Chris. Uh, I have kind of three variants of this animal. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to start with this one. You, you're talking about getting rid of the Jeep and getting something else utility. Right. Sure, why not? I mean, if you're going to do that, I wouldn't shop Range Rover. Um, I, 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 I mean, Volvo Estate Car, maybe. But why not just get yourself a little five-seat CX-5? Fair. Just a, just fair. a normal CX-5. I say that. There's a rant on crossovers coming. Hang on. <laughs> but, but, but just Easy. Uh, there, there's a lot of those kind of things around. It's, you know, it's going to have space. You can put a bike rack on the back. They're not expensive. You, you know, 20, 20 to 22 you think you can get for your Jeep. You could get a one-year-old CX-5 in great condition and be happy. Right. So, so right. you could do that. Keep the S five. Pay for the S five for track consumables. But of my three scenarios, this is by far my least favorite. Okay. All right. Do you want me to keep going, or you want to jump in here? I agree with that. I'm. I was never thinking about replacing the Jeep with another SUV because I don't think it's the Jeep or the Jeep brand that he's bored with. I think it's the SUV kind mm. of thing that yeah. he's bored with, and discovering wow, driving and the S five and German cars. And then talking about this newfound track obsession, I don't think any of his proclivities are leaning towards getting another SUV in his life. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just going, what are my options here? And I, so I wanted to speak to that since he touched on it a bit. But I don't really like that option as much. Yeah, I, I think don't it either. would work, but I don't like it as much. Continue, though. Okay, so then I have um, the one that I think is going to make the most sense to you. And then I have the one that you're probably going to go, I don't want to do that, but I think it's the best answer. Uh, so the one I think you're going to like is this. Keep the S5. But it's no longer your track car. Just make it the fun, nice car you drive around in general. Yeah, yeah. Selling the Jeep. Okay. Now we have a problem. We need a car to haul bikes. We need a car for banging around. Because you said you said in here specifically, you do not want to put a bike rack on this S5. Right, right. Okay, so Fair you still got to haul bikes. You still want to get out and hike and, and, and bike and that kind of stuff. What do you do? But you also need a track car because uh-huh. you want to do consumables on the S5. My friend... 
<laughs> Buy yourself a used Fiesta ST. I knew it. I knew it was coming. You can track that and never worry about it. Yeah. The consumables yeah. on it will be next to nothing. And it is a little tiny hatch. You can get, I've seen them, you can get the little hitch bar. Mm-hmm. You can get one of those bike hitch bike racks. I mean, yes, you could do the roof racks. I'll be honest with you. The roof racks are fine. I just think the hitch racks are so much the better. The hitch thing is awesome. You don't have to lift the bike. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So you can get a hitch bike rack that, that goes on and off of there. And so it becomes your, as, as needed, it's like my little mini pickup. It becomes your utility vehicle. You can haul bikes in it and never worry about it. You can track it into dust, and it doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. your S5 stays pristine. I know you're going to like that idea, Chris. I have another one for you I like better. But if you want to keep the S5, you can solve the problem in the world of Fiesta ST, and you're going to spend half your budget hmm. and do that. Hmm. I'm hoping you've got room for more cars in your driveway. It sounds like you do, but cars are coming your way, Chris. Well, but that's the thing. We're swapping the Jeep for, for Fiesta in this scenario. And, and yeah, the, but I have a scenario that might add one in there. Okay. All right. <clears> well, I, I'll, I'll let you get to that in a second. My, my favorite for you, Chris, I don't think you're going to like, but I think it's the answer, and I think it's the answer because of the comment you made about how you bought this Audi. Okay. You now really, really like German cars, and I understand, and you've started to enjoy and like track driving. I also understand that, but I, I really wonder... If you were if you were cross shopping right now, cross shopping German cars at your available budget and thinking about tracking, I don't think you'd wind up in the S five. Okay. If so, it were to be the track car, you're saying. Just if you were shopping right now with oh. your awareness right now of both German cars and the fact that you track occasionally, I don't think you'd leave with an S five. Okay, fair. So I'm gonna say you keep the Jeep because the Jeep is paid for. It's bang around in. You don't worry about it anymore. You can haul the bikes. You can go camping, and none of that matters. It's fine. It's there. It's now your utility vehicle. You're selling the S5. It's not on your list here, but selling the S5. Take the money from the S5 and buy yourself as much Porsche Cayman as you can. Excellent. Because for all the commute situations you have in that Audi, you're going to like the Cayman at least as much. I don't think you're going to be disappointed by it. It's a little smaller, but I think you're going to really, really like it. You'll like it in all the normal life uh, situations of commuting. Okay. But you're going to like it so much more on the track. That's for sure. So it does both, and you still have all the utility stuff done. Yeah. And I actually think because of weight, even though the consumables are expensive in the Cayman world, I think you're going to go through stuff less quickly. Okay, so let me reiterate. You're selling. You're saying keep the Jeep, sell the the Audi. Sell the Audi and get a Cayman, as much Cayman as you can afford to buy outright. I'm not putting anything. Selling that Audi, that's going to be a lot of Cayman. That might be a 981 Cayman. It might. Who knows? That's the thing. That, that's the thing. I think he winds up with a great Cayman, a, a, mm-hmm. a recent Cayman. That's my whole point. That, that S5 is new enough. There's money to come out of that, and he can get himself a nice Cayman across the board, pay for it, done. Oh, now that's interesting. But it does mean the Audi leaves. I know. And, and you like the Audi. But I, again, I'm coming back at you, Chris, and saying you like it. It's, it's ignited this fire in you, but you didn't cross-shop it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a better German car to answer what you need. And that's why I say Cayman. Hmm. And by the way, this is Todd saying Cayman, and I don't own one. <laughs> I'm loving that, actually. But, uh, okay, so this is interesting. Chris, I took a different approach, and your sentence, waiting to see if the track bug subsides. <laughs> I, sure. I'm, yeah, this is a happen. foreign sentence, but fair enough. Yeah. You're just... Your toe in the pool right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so that sure. initial thought leads me to, 
okay, let's not go hog wild on the track car, whatever it is, because mm. of consumables, because you're going to want yeah. to get into tires, yeah. and you're going to want a budget for that, and just maintenance on this track car. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to a cheap track car, like an 86, like a Miata, sure, sure, or sure. Yeah. trolling the forums on Factory 5818. Ooh, okay, yeah. Getting that for nine or ten grand. They, guys that have built them and are selling them for under 15, there's multiple. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a great hmm. way to get a dedicated track car to okay, feed okay. that need. Sure, sure, sure. Now, we could spend this a number of different ways. Let's call the cheap track car just the ten grand, 10,000 track car. Sure. Hey, even if sure. the SST could be in that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you sell the Jeep and then you have ten left over for what? Hmm. Maybe okay. consumables, you keep the Audi. Mm-hmm. But what if you sold the Jeep and the Audi? Ooh, you went even a bridge farther. Well done. Keep going. I'm excited now. Yikes. So then I think, all right, M235i. Okay. What what role does that have? I'm still deciding, actually. I'm still thinking about that as a, I could just drive it. I could take it to the track. Yeah. I'm calling that 25 to 30. But again, we don't know what the Audi can be. Sold for. We don't have a budget. We're I'm going to guess sure. 40, but we'll see. So 40 plus the, the 2021, yeah, we're, we're talking 60. 62 yeah. maybe, somewhere yeah, in there. Maybe. Call the M235 30, and then you have $30,000 mm-hmm. left over for something that is the kind of halfway SUV, the CUV that sure. yeah, fills yeah. a different need for all the people. And mm-hmm. I know I said earlier that you're kind of over the SUV thing, but maybe it's a, a different car in that category. Maybe like you were talking about the you know, the estate or a wagon because you have alluded to that. So you've got sure, okay. a car that's also the track car in that BMW. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then somewhere over here, something kind of nice, some CUV size hatchy sure, yeah. something yeah, yeah. that could be the off-road mobile, the light off-road, bikes, people, gear, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It could commute. You could kind of have both. Do you have a car for this? Car I'm still mind? deciding, to be honest. Okay. I, right. I wasn't quite sure um, quite yet, but you could go a lot of different directions. We could go Subaru. We could go, yeah. Yeah. I mean, CX-5 seems to be a little bit too, uh, I don't know, too... Well, it's not a foregone conclusion, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it, we, we know it's good. It's not an off-road champion, but it, we know it's good. Yeah. I mean, I'd love it if you could get in a Cayenne of some sort, but, you know, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You could get get in one, but I don't know if that, that answers the question. But and I don't know if that sure. has appeal, but I'm still deciding on that okay. possible okay. SUV, but okay. I was focusing on getting rid of both. Wow. Or interesting. keep the Audi, sell the Jeep, get a track car, and leave yourself ten grand for track time, consumables, gas, mm, yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just saying. Okay. That's where I'm leaving it for now. All right. All right. Well, Chris, hopefully something in there is helpful to you. I know the whole idea of selling me Audi is probably feels like sacrilege, but I'm just saying there's a big world out there. <laughs> but at so least I replaced it with another German car that's As excellent. did I. As did I. Yeah, I it's true. It, for sure. We have a ton of audience questions, uh, many, many to get to. We should probably start with the rant, though. You've been wanting to get to this rant. Well, because two or three of you have asked questions around one topic, and that is crossovers. Yeah. And that is the rise of crossovers. And they, they seem to have no end in sight. I mean, we talked on the last podcast, and I've seen the article pop up a couple other places now, that Lexus is kind of reconsidering their IS and GS, should they sell them or not. Mm. You know, there are rumors that GM is going to do what Ford, Ford has already said it's going to do, which essentially stop making cars. Uh, I mean, th- this keeps happening. And Drew wrote in with a a 10-factor list of, are these all the reasons people like these things? And Nathan wrote in and said, can we please try to convince people to get into anything other than a crossover? So a lot of you have got this on your mind. 
There's also a question from Allison M on here too about That's right. She's the younger go, go end with of the her millennial question. generation. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let me read this real quick. She's like I said, the younger end of this millennial generation, and lately she has noticed how small crossover ads are targeted directly towards us. Mm-hmm. BMW and I went and watched this, Allison. She's, she said they've got young office professionals can hashtag unfollow the trend by hopping into their spunky and colorful X2. Yeah. She's saying, really, BMW hashtags now? We're showing the Snapchat logo and the thumbs up from the Facebook like and in the form of <laughs> balloons. And I, I went searching. I didn't find the one you you said that is a mic drop at the very end. I couldn't find that one yet. But then there's a Volvo XC40 ad showing mm. how you can fit a MacBook in the door pocket and hang your backpack on a hook and... On and on and on. Yeah. And she's saying, are these car ads just too targeted? I, targeting is helpful and important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, I just don't feel like that X2 is something millennials are thinking about or can afford. I mean, color me wrong. I Good mean, question. Maybe millennials do have a lot of money, but when I was, you know, in my 20s, I had a Honda Accord. Yeah. And that's yeah, all yeah. I, I mean, it was 10,000, I think. And yeah. that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. I stretched for that car. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Drove it a long time. I mean, it wasn't into my 30s that I actually traveled internationally for the first time. I wasn't. I was 33 before I actually mm. traveled internationally, and then discovered, wow, you know, I probably should wear a nicer pair of shoes. And actually, people kind of judge you how you dress, and I should probably <laughs> invest in some clothing that is not just jeans and a t-shirt. And I never learned this lesson, but I take your point. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, no, I do. You I start understand. to grow into yeah. these things. And so I never had that money. I could never think about things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm thinking for a young Are you buying an X2? That's a great question. X2? No. These yeah. are for middle age. They, honestly, they're aimed at my sister. She's 46. Her oldest daughter is mm-hmm. first year in college. Yeah. So she had kids early. But yeah. still, I mean, her youngest, my nephew, is starting his first year in college. He's graduating from high school at it's 16. Amazing, yeah. It's crazy. But she's frankly a little bit more bohemian than I. Well, but but go XC forty. You you. But really yeah, you want an XC forty? That's forty five grand. I mean, she wants like a nineteen seventy eight Saab ninety nine Turbo. Your sister but, does. But 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 back you know, to Allison though. Does Allison have? I mean, I ask you, Allison. Do you have forty five grand to drop on a CUV right now? I kind of doubt it, and I'm not right. judging. I'm not judging at all. It's just back to what you're saying. In your twenties, do you have tw- do you have forty five plus grand to buy a CUV? I wasn't I doubt thinking it. that. I was thinking, I doubt can it. I afford my next tank of gas? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> I can sure. afford the car payment. The insurance is low enough, but. Hey, yeah, yeah. Can I make that trip? Because I don't have any more gas in my car. Yeah, that's my headspace. Well, then, even if you've got a solid job out of college as a millennial, I still don't think you're blowing that kind of money on a car right now. I just don't think you are. I don't either. And they're wearing leather pants in the commercial. At leather pants. What <laughs> are they back? That's not relatable. Well, anyway, who knows? Maybe you and I just should be wearing leather pants. No, we shouldn't. No, no. we shouldn't. Sorry. No. But, but here's here's the problem I have, Allison, and it comes back to a question. I uh, a commercial I remember probably. Uh, man, I'm. It's got to be 15, 20 years ago. When did this car exist? The Mercury Milan. Right before it oh died. Oh, Right before it died. I don't think it was that long, was it? 10 or 15 years for sure. Right before it died, I remember seeing a commercial, and the entire commercial, I made the comment to my wife the minute it was over. I said, the car didn't actually have to run for that entire commercial. It didn't have to actually move. Everything in the yeah. commercial was about the features and the, and the electronics. <laughs> and you're talking about the MacBook Pro in the door, where to hi- hang your backpack. The problem that I have with a lot of this marketing is that at this point, in most cases, Alfa Romeo being the rare exception, most of the time, car commercials are not about, is this car decent to drive? 
It's just, here's all the stuff it does for you, mm-hmm. which is a stutter step from the autonomy nightmare. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, that's interesting, Allison. I, I think it's fascinating that you've noticed that and you're going, what's going on here? I think it's a weird double-edged sword because on one level, I can see why they're marketing to the millennials with cars like that. But on the other end, the question you're asking, is that an actual market that's running out and buying cars at that price point? And I don't know. I'm having trouble saying that it is. I mean, think of Subaru and GM's commercials right now. Yeah. Their whole headspace is stages of life. Sure, Subarus yeah. are, hey, we got it early, and then we had a young family, and then mm-hmm. we had, you know, the kids grew up, and then we still kept the car, and then I handed the car down to my sure. 16-year-old yeah, yeah. daughter, and da-da-da, whatever. GM's doing the same thing. Yeah, hey, it's all yeah. about family and generations. That's important. That's targeted because those are the kinds of cars they want to sell. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. So, again, targeting is important. But in this case... I mean, the people are wearing leather pants, and they're very stoic and angry and unrelatable, and I <laughs> don't have that kind of money. What What on earth? Anyway, that's interesting. I mean, they're assuming people actually have TV so they can see said commercials. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Where is this commercial even, playing? Yeah, very, I mean, it's question. all over the internet, of course. Of course but. it is, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's the... The things that are selling. I saw my first X2, I think it was in Seattle a few weeks mm, ago. Okay. All saw right. it on the road and went, wow, but it wasn't a millennial driving. It was like a mom of, you know, like, hey, sure. kids sure. are grown up and we can finally afford a good car. And I yeah. like that. So let's go with that. Interesting. Interesting. So all of this kind of leads into the big question that I would say is kind of a crossover why question. We're in a, in a state of the crossover curse right now because <laughs> everyone is making them and they're only making more. And the more they make them, the more people buy them. I mean, this is the great cash cow for every car maker right now. And Drew's asked all of the obvious questions about, you know, what's pushing these? Is it the higher ride height? Yes. What's going on on all of these kind of factors about, you know, we we have cheap gas and and all these kind of things he's asking about? I want to speak to this kind of on a personal level and also on a general level. I was in a conversation recently with a few people we were all talking about. It was a group of parents, all with kind of young kids. Okay. And we were all joking about the fact that all of us, we look back on our childhoods of, oh, yeah, mom and dad had a van and they threw a mattress in the back and we played on, in the back and we slept in the back and there were no seat belts and it was just this wide open space in the back back there. Or the, <laughs> it's the like classic, an RV. Seriously, Yay. the classic <laughs> thing about, well, I slept during an entire car trip in the back glass on the partial shelf above the speakers. Right. I did that as a kid. Right. So we're all talking about the fact that we all did this and we're all laughing about the fact none of us are talking about how dangerous it was. We're all talking about how kind of cool and funny it was. But then the other side of it, we're all talking about the fact that there's not a single person in the room that would do that with their own kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, so right. So I'm relating this to CUVs. I know it sounds weird, but, but follow me. In general, I think as a society, we have become, and I'm not trying to get political, I just mean in general, we've become more fearful and more safety-obsessed. Now, sure. Now, I'm not claiming that either of those on the surface are fundamentally bad things. They're not. There's nothing wrong with being safer. There's nothing wrong with having fear of things that are dangerous. I don't have a problem with either of those things. But there's, there's slight changes that happen over time. I'll give you the ridiculous, cliched example. You're in college, and you're an athlete, and you think, uh, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm in good shape, and blah, blah, blah. And so you turn out at 40 and go, when did I get fat? <laughs> It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> it happened over 20 years because right. you, sh- okay. you couldn't I put the fork point. down. Okay? I see where I was so, relating it. So here we are getting more safety conscious and more fearful. And along the way, two things have happened. If you're driving a semi, you're not, but you're driving a semi, two things are true about you. One, anything you hit, it's in trouble and you're going to survive. 
Two, you are high enough in traffic you can see everything. Yeah. Relate that back to normal people. We are all under the belief that if I sit higher in something bigger, I am safer and can see better. It is technically true, but it isn't a universal reality. And it's kind of ruining people's ability to buy anything that isn't tall and bigger and more and more um, numb. I will add to that and long rant on this, but I will add to that and say the number of distractions that have entered our lives mm-hmm. before the smartphone. Nobody was checking their Motorola whatever. <laughs> they just weren't. It was a phone because you made phone calls with them. That's all it did. I'm and, suddenly seeing Lethal Weapon. You remember Lethal Weapon? The original <laughs> Lethal Weapon was like 87, 88. Oh, my gosh. And they do a phone call back to the, the precinct in the middle of that film, and they're sitting on an overpass in L.A., and they have – the box of the phone sitting on the trunk, which at the time was cutting edge. The huge box that actually controls the phone while Murtaugh was on the receiver. Oh, my gosh. That's 1987, folks. Here we are. Wow. Computer in your hand. You can't stop looking at when you should be driving. Speed limits are too low because everybody's bored with yeah. how slow <laughs> they're going. I have a relation to that, but keep going. Yeah, Starbucks yeah. and coffee and everything and mm-hmm. smoking and eating and newspapering and every, I've seen so much. I've seen books yeah. laid across the steering wheel and yeah. I'm horrified. I saw a guy slouched in a pickup truck seat scrolling through his phone. Mm. His eyes were not on the road ahead yeah. and I drove past him as quickly as I could. Yeah. I'm horrified by the number of distractions that people have allowed. And so I think people's driving skill in general has plummeted. Mm. And then something bigger and heavier and safer and that thinking rather than, you know what? I want to be in a sharp, nimble, powerful car that can outbreak, outhandle. You've heard me say it before. Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can avoid the accident in the first place rather than I'm going to just tumble through the mayhem and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Yeah. And I can, you know, I'm up higher. I can see the road and I'm bigger and... No, safety is it starts with you, honestly. It starts well, with it does. Yeah. both hands on the wheel yeah. and... You're not answering. You're not answering my text to you. And I'm not going to be offended if you say, you know what? I was driving. Yeah. Sorry I didn't get back to you when you wanted, but yeah. I was driving. For sure. For what sure. is somebody going to do? Argue with that? <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, but I, I want to relate to That's a great point. I want to relate to that, actually. A couple things, including something happened to me today. But, but here's the other thing. Talking about that creep example that I used a minute ago. Okay? Sure. That same idea is happening as these cars are getting bigger and safer. We're becoming less and less involved. Yeah, And so I think the average person, and I'm even relating that to most people listening that are car people, I think the average person hasn't experienced a car that is the opposite. We just drove, we just drove point, 1960s Mustangs. Excellent point. At 55 and 19, and these were well set up, 55 and 1960s Mustangs, you feel like you're doing something. <laughs> we're we're in we're in vault people stuff is happening yeah i am driving quickly everybody pay attention gears are meshing you know things but, are happening but 65 pick pick your car i don't care what it is pick your car on the market right now 55 60 miles an hour boring not eventful very little information i'm back here in a lotus elise absorbing a fire hose of info yeah because i like that and i've been exp- i've experienced all kinds of cars but i'll take you back to personal experience I grew up driving Caprice Classics. Yeah. And yeah. once I started driving smaller cars, I went, that's a boat. I don't want that anymore. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even a bridge further. This Seriously, this welcome to the four-hour rant. I think <laughs> if we went back to a difference in the way we got our driver's tests, 
and driver's tests required you to drive a car at the edge of its limits and actually get out of control, we would feel very differently about these big cars. And doing so would be like the German model. They pay a lot of money mm-hmm. to get a driver's license, and it is a privilege. Yeah. It's not a right. It's not just something handed out like candy. It's You've taken it very seriously mm-hmm. and had a lot of instruction, not just... We're not just steering our way through the world. We're driving. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference than just guiding this thing through the planet and yeah. keeping it between the lines. No, we're driving. Driving means being actively involved, not just true. kind true, of true. guiding it around and guiding it and pressing on the brake when necessary. And all of these are incredibly easy to drive, and they are insulating you from what's really going on. Right. Now, right. there's nice things to that. It makes commuting easy. It makes you comfortable. I get it. I get it. But if you don't have experience on the other side of something that is small and raw and at the edge of its limits, that's the first time you, I th- think you get an awareness of there's a lot going on here. There's speed going on, and mm-hmm. I have to pay attention. We've, we've been so shielded from that under the guise of safety Yeah. that now I think the average person, because they lack that experience, doesn't have a reason to want anything but a CUV. I wonder if everybody had, had actual driving experience. I'm pie in the sky here actual driving experience in things like a miata or an 86 or a mini or a fiesta st everybody had a period of time where they drove a car like that if you wouldn't see people in general buying smaller cars Mm. but we Mm. get our experience driving the family whatever which was probably a minivan and then or they had a cuv or an suv and that's what mom drove and that's what i learned to drive in and there was never any other life experience and so that is the assumption of I'm going to do well in this, which leads me to two thoughts. One, there was a time I ranted a year or two ago. I rant uh, <laughs> in my FRS, nearly getting plowed over by a 16-year-old terrified girl in a Chevy uh, uh, I remember. 2500. Yep. yep. I, I, I'm certain that the conversation at her house was, I got you this big truck so you'll be safe. Right. But now she right. was a hazard. So there was that. But three <laughs> times today driving home, I'm not kidding. I had a 20-minute drive home today. Three times in that drive home, I nearly got hit Are you kidding by someone me? driving a CUV. Oh, you're kidding me. I am a little Just by yellow, not seeing I'm you? a little yellow yeah. rocket, yeah. and I'm not quiet. Thank God I'm paying attention, but three different people nearly hit me. Unbelievable. And the last guy— Like coming into your lane or something, yes, cutting yes. you off and that kind Two of different thing. people coming into my lane, badly, very badly, yeah. like didn't even see me there kind of bad— but the third one was somebody that put their car in reverse and just came out, just came out quick. Oh, my god! And I had to jerk the car hard enough I nearly hurt myself. Oh, my god! Because I jerked all the way in the – thank God the, the other lane was open. I jerked all the way into the lane. I'm old and I'm coming back. Seriously. And it wasn't anybody old. They just put their car in reverse and here they came. Whoa. But it was a CUV and I'm certain they didn't see me. And I wasn't flying through this parking lot either, but there I was and there they were. So Amazing. I wish people had actual driving experience in littler stuff because I think that would change the way we shop. Unfortunately, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. And high ride height means and bigger means safety, and there you go. And here I have an expedition, but, you know, it's kind of... But you have an expedition and you have a Cayman. Well, yes. And speaking of which, you and I both drive our fun sports cars faster and harder around people than probably normal, I would say. We're not just cruising along because I found this. Pickup trucks like to race you. People like to... Cut you off for whatever reason. They mm. see a fun sports car coming, and they just like to screw with you. Yeah, sometimes. Which is inexplicable to me. Yeah. But then, like you said, when people don't see you, you have to be going faster than them to actively be passing. Yeah. Some people just blindly stay in, 
you know, in a big semi truck's blind spot, just kind of hanging out, not mm-hmm. thinking. They can't see you move past the truck aggressively. Yeah. Don't stay beside them. Yeah. And so you and I are, are kind of that way, drive a little bit more aggressively. And I'll take the ticket. If a cop pulls me over, because we've been told by the local sheriff here that says, you know, and he said, hey, you know, like Porsche drivers, I probably know they're paying attention probably more together than the average driver. Hopefully. Theoretically. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gray area, but yeah. Sure. But, you know, his point is that, you know, probably driving faster, but you're paying attention more rather than going well, 60 <laughs> and hanging out in the left lane and not caring and not paying attention. I will say there's nobody going full speed on the Autobahn that is not paying attention. Now, we've yes. seen people on the Autobahn in other lanes not paying as much attention as well, we'd like, but the people that are going fast are paying attention. Yes. Speed brings focus. I know I know there are people that and are just going to say speed only kills. Speed kills because your velocity has increased, and if it goes wrong, it goes very wrong. Well, yeah. But the thing that nobody thinks about is speed versus cruise control, speed breeds, I ought to pay attention. It just does, naturally. Yeah. You know, go, go, ride, go ride your bicycle faster <laughs> than you normally do. You will pay a lot of attention. Hence my problem with the speed limits. We're all so bored that well, I'll yeah. guess I'll pick up my phone and look at it because 55 or 60 or 75 is just boring. Well, and then, but then that's the commute thing, though, because we're all going five, not 55. We're going mm-hmm. five. And look, I've had this problem. If I, if I end up stopping going the Lotus... I have no idea what's going on up ahead. I have none. I'm looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the bumper or maybe the exhaust or, or, pipe or, or, of the truck say, in the front of me. Differential of the pickup truck. All I, yeah, I can tell you whether or not he's got uh, all wheel drive and four wheel. I can tell you. <laughs> exactly. I can look at the diffs. But anyway, oh, his shock needs to be replaced. I need to know. I can see it's leaking. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, that's my experience. I'm sure. So if it's stop and go, I have no idea what's going on. But if you do stop and go all the time, you want to know what's going on. So you buy a bigger car. But so did the guy next to you, and the guy next to you, and now everybody's cars are bigger, and that's where we are. Rant over. Holy Maybe. moly. All right. There's a few more questions we've got to get to. Otherwise, sure. we'll have to uh, hold off till next time. But please keep ask- asking your questions, guys. There was one from Mr. Kid 37 and asked about lit cigarettes. Hmm. And we've never talked about this. And I'm glad you asked because he says, when people toss lit cigarettes out the window, is there any danger of it damaging my engine? Hmm. Now, I have a story for you, Mr. Kid. Okay. But I will say yes at a... A low level, but yes. If that lit cigarette remains lit and it bounces up in your engine, you've got a leak or something like that, or lands near your fuel rails, yes, you've got a problem. It's remote. It's remote. However, it's, however. It's a scene in a Mission Impossible movie, but I, I take agree. your point. Yeah. Generally doesn't happen. If you do that, please don't. Just take it, put it out <laughs> in your ashtray and get rid of it something yeah. else. Plus, it's littering. Anyway, uh, a friend of mine was boating when we were in college okay. he used to okay, tow okay. his friend's ski boat around okay they'd borrow it from his dad and they'd sure. haul it around with a chevy blazer or whatever sure sure yeah and somebody threw a lit cigarette out and it bounced up over the top of the car and they didn't think anything about it mm-hmm. it landed in the boat oh no it landed next to the fuel lines the boat was on fire for a good mile before oh they realized gosh, it. Really? It caused a lot of damage because it flew up over the car, it bounced somehow, and oh then landed in the boat at the back of the engine back there. You're I don't remember. It was a ski me. boat of some sort, and there were fuel lines, and it did cause a problem, and it burned the boat down. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's a problem. It's Yikes. remote. It's Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Not likely, Remote. but I see what you're saying. Wow, that, I'd never heard that story. Yeah, it's it's out there. Oh so it can, but I'm, yeah, fire on the freeways at cars? No. 
How about no? <laughs> Less of that. The fires that are actually happening and the explosions in the engine, let's, let's restrict it to just that, shall we? Yeah. Uh, a. McFarlane asked something on Instagram that, that re- references a podcast, I think the last podcast, I made a comment about the spectrum of sacrifice for cars. <laughs> I talked about the Lotus on one end and a minivan yes. on the other. I, 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 says, coined, I coined the term the spectrum of sacrifice. I just did that on the fly. Now apparently it's a thing and needs to be assured. Are we talking about voting rights or liberty? No, or? it's the spectrum of sacrifice okay. for cars. All right. So on one end of the – he's asking, what are the two ends of the spectrum of sacrifice? Which I actually gave it some thought. <laughs> oh, you did? So here, here's, here's the parameters I'm giving it. Okay. It has to be cars that are street legal. Fair. And it has to – so and cars that don't require an extra license for whatever. Okay. So, th- these are, these are the parameters, and then and Did then you name and then, cars. Oh, I've got two cars. Okay. Then the spectrum is this: you've got cars on one end that are all about the driving experience, mm-hmm. and cars on up the other end that are all about the utility. This is a spectrum of sacrifice. Okay. All right. Meaning, are, which are you sacrificing the more more of? And uh, your car, you listening, your car is somewhere on that spectrum. One end is the caterum. Okay. Because it is even more of a sacrifice than my Lotus. You have no top. You have no trunk. You are you. It's street legal. You also have to take the steering wheel off when you get in or out. Yes, but no top, no trunk. Fantastic car as far as involvement and driving. You can track it. You can drive it on a back road. It gets good gas mileage. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there is nothing to do but drive it. There's nothing. There's no stereo. There's nothing. It's nothing. That's the caterham <laughs> on one end. Okay. The other end of the spectrum. Pick your brand for your 12 to 15 passenger van. That could be the big GM one that they make. That could be the Ford Transit. It could be the um, the Sprinter from yeah, Mercedes. Sure. In all of those cases, what are they great at? They are great at hauling people and stuff. In fact, nothing short of like you get a big CDL license, nothing can do more than that. Hmm. But you're never going to go, let's track that. Unless you're going to get a laugh because you're taking people around for a track. But you see my point. Stack caterhams in them. There you go. This is how I haul my caterham around. <laughs> but this, this I would say, you've asked McFarland. This, I, I gave it some thought. Those are my, those are my, my bookends. Caterham on one end, 15-passenger van on the other. Every car out there is somewhere in that spectrum of sacrifice. And you can't see my hand motions. I'm making a wonderful wave motion between <laughs> the two. But, and the Lotus, of course, is closer to the caterham, and the minivan is closer to the 15-passenger guy. And wow. Excellent. Well, there's a couple questions before we let you go from Michael D. He's asking our opinions on dash cams for daily driving, our favorite brands. Do we even run one? And have we caught any traffic accidents on camera? No, but actually, Michael, it's intriguing me more and more, and Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more and more need for it because of your story about people cutting you off. I'm seeing more and more need just driving around. doesn't matter the car I'm in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw – it was the other day. I was at the – uh, junction down here, um, stopped at the stoplight, and a Honda Accord tried to beat the red light Ooh. and weaved around the car in front of him, blew through the intersection, and turned left right in front of me. Seriously? If I had gone any yeah. sooner yeah, yeah, than yeah. that, there would have been a nasty accident. And yeah. he was just, you know, a couple of guys just doing stupid stuff, and they were just. We've all been there. Making yeah. bad choices. Sadly, we've been there, yeah. And I thought, wow, I would have loved to have a dash cam right then. Mm-hmm. So we're moving towards the possibility. We don't have any favorite brands necessarily yet. I mean, we've talked about Waylands. Waylands is very expensive, but they're awesome. They've got the overlay with the yeah. the information, yeah. but then it doesn't have the parking mode. And that could be actually a good feature to have that 
still runs after you oh, shut the sure, car off. Sure, sure, yeah. Those kinds of things. So we definitely are looking more and more into that. We'd like to actually experience a few, and we're we're moving towards that direction. But yeah. I'm seeing more of a, more of a need than just not just during filming. We're running GoPros when we're filming to of capture are, whatever, yeah. like yeah, yeah. bird strikes and the <clears throat> Mustang. Yeah, well, there's that. Bird was well. checking out the Mustang. Yeah. Anyway, badly. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Well, but I, I would also say this. I think if you and I commuted in a stop and go major metropolitan area every day, we'd feel the the urge for one more so because sure. that's where the weirder stuff happens. I feel like. And we don't really commute that way. So in spite of my experience today, generally, there's not much need for one. Uh, but I, I do feel like we're headed more that way. And that kind of makes me sad, honestly. It's sad. I mean, it's good. But yeah, you're right. Uh, what is Chris doing? Instagram said, and he's asked this before. Chris, thank you. We have to go in Shark Tank to pitch a car-related okay. business. What's All your right. business? It's track cars, rentable track cars like they've got in Europe. Oh, sure. That's what I want here. Okay. I want to go to any track, Coda, Laguna Seca, and have a business, and I've got track prep cars and all different styles. Come and rent for the day. I like it. That's what I want. That's excellent. I wish that did exist here. Uh, We've had multiple track daily crushes were mentioned. Uh, One of the ones that made me laugh was the uh, (laughs) Booten Junior 02, the old GM edition. Okay. The 1987 Pontiac Grand Prix with good tires. Okay. A beat-down Camaro Z28 from the early 90s, and a 1999 Cadillac Eldorado Touring Coupe. Oh, man. I guess I have to daily the caddy, because its only purpose in life is to float. (laughs) That's its whole entire purpose. And I'm thinking, look, it's hard for me to, to... to call the 87 Grand Prix with good tires versus the beat-down Z28. It's hard for me to call that because that's like a, it's like a cornucopia of bad there, which, which is the, the least bad choice. Um, hmm. <laughs> I think I might go Z28 because I suspect that the parts are easy to find. Cornucopia of bad choices. I like that. I, I, every now and then I have something weird that's to say. pretty good. Yeah. I think the beat-down Z28, not because I think it's great, because I think parts are going to be plentiful when stuff breaks, and it will. Okay. <laughs> which means I'm crushing the Grand Prix, which honestly probably drives better. Fantastic. All right. I will end this on another track daily crush from Doherty 787 on Instagram. Tycon, Model S P100D, mm. and Hellcat of any huh. – I'm guessing that's any Hellcat, any of the three. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious for me. I, yeah. Okay. I okay. Think. What's yours then? I'm going to daily the Hellcat, I'm going to track the Tycon, and I'm, with pleasure, crushing <laughs> I the Model S. I actually didn't expect that. That is funny. You're going to daily the Hellcat. What I like about yeah, that baby. scenario is you are spending the most gas money on the least efficient of all of those cars. That's what I really like about but that. can you imagine moment. tracking a Hellcat, how much gas you'd spend? Yeah. Well, yes. And as you're trying to sling a planet around exactly. the track, you're right. I mean, And the Tycon's going to have the Porsche soul it, into it, it. The truth is, of that scenario... It probably will be the track car. I kind of think so. It's crazy to think about, honestly, because at this point, I mean, the Teslas have done some, you know, when all the magazines do the big track tests. They've done some track tests, and they haven't done well mm-hmm. because that amount of requirement on the power plant, <laughs> it just drains it like crazy. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from it in a daily driving scenario. Um, hmm. <laughs> what wow, do you think? This is hard Yeah, for me. This is, is good? I, mm, I kind of, I, oh. I'm really struggling because the the Tycan could go either place. It could. 
Um, Hence the beauty of the Taycan. My, my, my issue with the P100D, which I actually think is a really impressive car, but my issue there is the fact that I don't think the interior matches the price. Oh, no. Not And close. I expect that the Taycan will. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's my daily. The Taycan's my daily. Okay. And then I have to pick my Hellcat for the track. And I think there's a part of me that thinks there's a part of me that thinks it's the Jeep just for the laugh. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. Just for the laugh, it's the Jeep. I just want to choose the heavy machinery with which I get to crush the Model S. <laughs> Terrible. See, I Is don't it one of those giant okay. dump trucks in the Australian <laughs> stop, mines? Stop, stop, Is it stop. a backhoe? We have we made get? friends with Tesla on this podcast. <laughs> Anyway. Wow, guys, thank you so much. We had fun, obviously, and hope you did too. Write to us with your questions and social media questions. Obviously, we post those before we podcast on Mondays and Thursdays to release Tuesdays and Fridays. Hope you guys have a great Father's Day weekend. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.